Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Oh my goodness. Wow. So hey, we, we talked, I introduced the Father Heart of God last week. You know, it's just, this is so, it's so critical. We're going to be hanging out in this territory just for a little while because it is so, in fact, so critical that we get a hold of the heart of God, that we have a right view of God and the way that we relate to him. God was very intentional to roll out this title or this thing that we would be familiar with, this way that we would view him, that being the father and through healthy, the lenses of healthy family. Like this was God's design. He was intentional. He was perfect in the way that he would do it because it would communicate to all of us the way that we're supposed to interact with him, the way that he actually is in terms of character and nature. Just a little review from last week. He is truly, there is no question about it, he's better than we can think. He loves more than what we can comprehend. The truth is he can be trusted in all of his actions and in all of his ways we can actually trust him. If we don't have a right view of God, it will impact everything. It'll impact the way that we relate to other people. It'll, it'll impact the way, of course, we relate to God, but the way that we interpret our circumstances. You know, we have uh, trials and circumstances that probably all of us have experienced those times when it seems like the heavens are brass, or you're knocking on the door and you're like, is anybody there? I'm not hearing anything. You know, if we don't have a right view of the heart of God towards us, how many of you know it's easy in those times to misinterpret what's happening? You know, and we get to that place where we're like, well, I guess God is that aloof God who's sitting on the cloud, who's disengaged from my life. He's hit autopilot on planet Earth, and he's just not concerned about these details. But the, the enemy, I want to submit to you, wants nothing more than to feed those lies to you because it changes everything. It changes our whole perspective on the way that we relate to God and others, the way that we view our circumstances, and he will bring you down if you have a wrong view. We're going to be talking a little bit about that right view this morning. How many of you have ever heard of Oswald Chambers? You know, so, so years ago, I, I don't remember even who it was, but I, I had a leader who was constantly fed during a certain season by Oswald Chambers, and so to me, it was a little nauseating, right? You know, it's like every morning, they were like, oh, look at this new nugget from Oswald Chambers, and they would read it, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, you know, Oswald Chambers. It's all flowery, and just, I'm like, just cut right to the quick, buddy. Like, let's just, let's, I just, that's why I can't do Matthew Henry's commentary. I try, and I try, I read through, and finally, I'm like, somebody just tell me what this man's trying to get at. Like, I just, I just need to get to the point. However, as I was preparing this last week, I found this quote from Oswald Chambers that I felt very relevant. It says, the root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. Oof. Man, oh man. We're talking about a right view of God. The suspicion, the, the root of sin being the suspicion that God is not good. If we don't know at our core that God is good. How many of you know we're going to draw some serious wrong conclusions in our life? This morning I want to actually look at God through the lenses of the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5. And starting in verse 22 it says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, notice that it's capital S, that means Holy Spirit. So we're talking about His fruit. This is the fruit of Holy Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It says, against such things there is no law. These fruits 
are made manifest in our lives when we're in sync with God. Like when we sync up our lives, these are the things that we can expect to be made manifest in our life. Like these things actually, and this is what I want you to take away this morning, these things actually are God. Like God is love, it says in John. He embodies these things. And so when we have Holy Spirit in our lives and we're in sync with him, we can expect to have access to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know God is always available? Right? God is always accessible. Is that right? Like, we can always come to him. He's an ever-present help in time of need. Is that correct? Right? So God who is abundantly available, God who is always available, if he's available to us at that level, then that means all of this fruit is available to us at that level. That means no matter what I face in this life, no matter what people say to me, do to me, what, I'm, what my experience is, I have the ability to partner with Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 to manifest this fruit in my life. You can slander me, you can say something negative, you can slap me in the face, you can, you can abandon me, or at least I can perceive all of those things, but that never, how many of you know, that never gives me an excuse to be anything other than what we find represented in Galatians chapter 5. We never have an excuse. Boy, sometimes we really get that wrong. It's like, oh, it's okay, brother. Yes, you know, you were, you were slighted. You know, I, they said some nasty things to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take, take you a minute. It's okay. It's okay if in this space in between, if you hurl some stones of your own. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's never okay. It's never okay to be out of sync with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what they're saying. It doesn't matter what your experience doesn't matter what your perception. We were created in the image of God. And once he redeemed us, we entered into a pathway into his likeness. How many of you know God uses everything in your life to carve and sharpen you into his likeness? Well, this is it. We never have a right to be anything but what is listed. In, in Christendom, in Christian culture, we, we do everything in, in Jesus' name. In fact, we've got a scripture for that, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. It says here, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Have you ever considered how weird that is, though? I'm like, in our culture, it's kind of like, uh, um, in, in the name of Paul. This is Paul, by the way. Like, that's a little bit odd, right? It's kind of like, we, we just, we don't identify with that such that we really understand, I think, what's going on. But one thing I think that we, or one way that I think that we can identify that is through this thing called a power of attorney. Anybody know what that is? See, in a, in a power of attorney, I've been actually given legal right to operate in the name of someone else. And so if I were to sign a check, for example, I'm going to sign it, you know, Paul DeRee by Sean Benson. I have a power of attorney. It gives me legal right to sign his name and to operate in his name to do anything that he would do. Ultimately, if I wanted to drain his bank account, which I'd like to, actually, <laughs> then with the power of attorney, I, I just have to sign his name. This is, this is like the name of Jesus. We, this is the, it's the same interaction that we have. It, we're called it, it, with, with everything that we do, with everything that we say, we do it in the name of Jesus. That means that we're doing it in his power and his authority. 
That as we walk, it would be as if he's walking. What we're doing, what's coming out of our mouth, the way that we think, even the way that we interact with other people, we're doing it in Jesus' name. We represent his power and his authority. But I want to submit to you, we also represent his character. We represent his character. If you're doing it in Jesus' name, it has to line up with Galatians chapter 5. And if you find that something's not lining up with this in your interaction with others, you have room to question whether or not they're using Jesus' name, if they're really actually operating in Jesus' name, or if maybe they're operating in someone else's name. We never have an excuse to be out of sync with what we find here in these scriptures. These represent him. Let's jump in and tackle it just a little bit. Wow, I have a lot of stuff that I missed for service. <laughs> I'm like, just some good stuff that just completely got skipped over, and I still didn't get to everything, Paul. Wow. Is next week good for a landing point? Look at this, people. Like, come on. Like, all right. Sorry. Momentary. Do you remember the old WWJD bracelets? You're like, oh, so cringy. Sorry, I've got kids. They keep me young in the way that I speak, I guess. He's so cringy. It's so, it's so lame that they would do. You know, they, that was inspired by this reality that nothing that I should do, nothing that I should think, and no action in my life should be out of sync with God. It was a constant reminder. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus talk like that? Would Jesus put those things in front of his eyes? Would Jesus watch that movie? Would Jesus say that to somebody else? It turns out it wasn't so cringy, was it? It was actually a pretty solid biblical reminder that we actually are the hands and feet of Jesus. Here's the thing. God is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? That means he can do nothing other than be loving. It's the number one, right? God is love, it says in John. You know, he, his every motivation is with you in mind. His every motivation is with your success, you know, with your joy, with your destiny, with his greater plan. He is able to, to weave it all together into this incredible tapestry, this partnership that we have, this tapestry called our lives as they get knit together. He's doing it all out of love. God's not doing anything out of anger. He's not doing anything out of manipulation. His every motivation, for, his motivation for everything is love. We know, that, we know that God can get angry. I mean, how many of you, you ever had a father uh, get angry with you? Some of us, we didn't have the greatest representations of a father on the earth. And, you know, some of us, we would, you know, we would maybe do something that was stupid. Anybody ever do something stupid? Unfortunately, I've got a list longer than I'd like to admit I still do some stupid stuff. You know, and, and our fathers would trip into anger. They would trip into rage. You know, and, and rip you up one side and down the other. Listen, that's not love. Your father in heaven's not waiting in heaven, just waiting for you to sidestep, waiting for you to, to get home from school so that he could jump on your back. Everything that he does is out of love. He's, he's, not, he's not tripping into anger. Can God get angry? Yeah, God... God can get anger. His, his anger is displayed against sin and the destruction of sin, but his anger is never out of sync with his love. 
Even his anger is coming from a place of being motivated by love, and his anger is not aimed at you. You've got to hear that. His anger is not aimed at you. He's not tripping over himself. He's not a rageaholic. Just, ah! He's not the Hulk. <laughs> Freaking out on you where you have to walk on eggshells. This is not our father. You know, the, the second fruit of the Spirit there is, is, is joy. You know, it's funny, I've, I've looked this up many times because we try to twist it into something it's not. But actually, joy, you might be surprised to find out, uh, means that you're happy. <laughs> and I know, yeah, we kind of talk about, well, it's like there's this deep thing on the inside of us, and it's like this deep seated joy, and that's absolutely true, but we can't, we can't make it something that it's not. It actually means happy. You know, Bill Johnson says it this way. He says, did you know that God is in a good mood? Oh, you know, this guy, he gets flogged for this. Or what, do you, what do you mean God's in a good, that's, cra- that's, that's fanatical. Uh, well, it turns out here that the fruit of Holy Spirit is joy. It's actually, it's actual happiness. Hey, God is happy. Now, I don't know how he has the capacity to look out on all of us and all of the crazy that's happening across the planet and still maintain his joy, but he does. He maintains his joy. Now listen, he maintains his joy even when you make a mistake. He maintains his joy even when you're still doing something stupid and you know better. He maintains his joy over you. He's, he's partnering with you going, son, that was, that was silly and I've got a better plan for you, but I'm not going to rage out on you and beat you to death with my discipline stick. God's actually in a good mood. He's actually happy. He's not depressed. He's not anxious or, or despairing. How many of you know he's also peace? Jesus, it says, is the prince of peace. He remains perfect and steadfast in peace. Similarly, even when we make a mistake, even when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, God is not freaking out. You know, he's not taken off guard. He's not surprised by our lives. He's not surprised by what's happening in the world. He wasn't surprised when Biden got elected. <laughs> I was. Okay, calm down, Democrats. That's just a joke. It's just a joke. He's not surprised by anything. It's not like, oh my gosh, oh wow. And then he, he loses his peace, and then he goes into full-fledged freak-out mode and like trying to catch up and pick up the pieces and, and, and make something of it. No, he, he's the God that knows the beginning from the end. He knows exactly what's going to happen, and before it ever happens, he's already provided a solution for it. Listen, that's not just some religious concept that we find in Jesus who was actually slain before the foundations of the world for your and my sin. That goes beyond that reality, and and it permeates like everything in our lives. Everything that you're facing in your life, God has already anticipated. He's already provided solutions. That means we get to actually rest in Him. We get to rest in His peace. Isaiah 53 says that the chastisement of our peace, that's the word shalom, was upon Him. That means He literally took all of the chaos that rages against our peace, and He died, and He buried that stuff in the ground, and He's released to us well-being in every area of our life. We have well-being 
because he is well-being. We have shalom, we have peace because he is peace and because he is accessible. If God is always accessible, then this is always accessible. How many of you know God is patient? You know, I, I prefer a different definition. It, it's, it's the definition of patience that is defined by the word long-suffering. You know, that, that, just, that just kind of, that, that just really hits it for me. Because I, I think of my own life, I think of what's happening around, and I kind of go, man, you know, God is, he's not just tolerating me, like he's actually, he's put himself in this place of like long suffering over me, because he knows the beginning from the end, because he knows what he's going to be able to do with the masterpiece that's my life, he knows what he's going to be able to do with the circumstances that are coming against me, he knows what he's going to be able to do with my career, and my family, and my kids, and my wife, he knows what he's going to be able to do, he sees it all. He's long-suffering over me when I continue to screw up. You know, he, he's not freaking out and, and, and raging out against me. He's not rash. He's gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's quick to love. This is the God that we serve. He has plans for you. You have a hope and you have a future. And, and when God's looking at your life, he's full well aware of what he's going to squeeze out of it. He's full well aware of where you're headed and where you're going. And he is very confident in himself and his ability to get you there. That's why he can stand with us and say, son, daughter, you're not disqualified. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're disqualified. Don't let the enemy tell you that because you've made this decision and that decision, that ministry that somebody prophesied over you, well, yeah, you blew that. That's never going to happen again. You know, God is bigger than that. He's the long-suffering God who's coming alongside to go, no, I still have a hope for you. I still have a plan for you. I still have a future for you. You have a destiny. You, you need only just repent and come back into alignment with my plumb line. He's long-suffering over us. How many of you know God doesn't just wring his hands and go, oh, I guess I'm done with Paul. Paul is beyond my abilities. There's no one who's beyond God's abilities. Remember, God is still the God of Nebuchadnezzar. The God of Nebuchadnezzar is the God of you. And if anybody was too far gone, it was that guy, and yet God got through to him. I should give you hope, not just for yourself, but even for those who you're praying for and your families. They're not too far gone. He's the long-suffering God, the patient one, the one who's coming alongside, who is so much more hopeful and happy about your life and where you're headed than what you could ever think or imagine. How many of you know God is also kind? You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, you know what defines love as Kindness. kind and patient. Some of the things that we're talking about in the fruit of the Spirit is actually wrapped up in the definition of love. So God defined what love looks like. Do you realize that? So if I were to come up to Melvin and be like, this is for your own good. You're just a big turd. You need to get your life in order. I can't believe how terrible you are. How many of you know you can't say, I'm doing this in love and then talk like that to another human being? Well, I'm just, this is just for your own good, brother. No, it wasn't. You've partnered with the wrong spirit. <laughs> like, love is kind. God is kind. We can never be separated from kindness. 
Kindness always has to be on display. Pastor Misty's had this, uh, this uh, scripture. I don't even know where it's come. Proverbs 3.3. 3. Proverbs 3.3. 3. That's, that's good. You know, it talks about binding truth and love around your neck. It's truth and love. If you have somebody who's coming to you out of truth only, they've missed the mark. They're not actually in sync with God. Kindness. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. Not a stern, nasty rebuke. Not a beating, beat you within an inch of your I'm going to beat the sin right out of you, boy. We've seen those daddies. We don't like them. God is not an abusive father. He's kind. He's kind in all of his ways, his thoughts, his intentions, his actions. They're kind towards you. And we know what kindness looks like. It's not harsh. He's not accusatory or condemning. You know, I know somebody who is accusatory, though. We have a name for him. He goes by accuser of the brethren. It's the devil who's going before the Lord to condemn and, and, and accuse you. And it's the father who goes, get out of here. I know my kids. I know the plans and the purposes that I have for them. Plans to prosper them. They're amazing. How many of you know God is the kind of God, like he sees everything in you, but he's not digging out the dirt, he's digging out the gold in you. You know that you're called to be like him. You're made in his image and you're on a journey into his likeness. And we're called to call, we're, we're called before God to operate as he operates. We're not looking for dirt. Listen, all of us have plenty of dirt. You want to find it? You're going to find it. You want to slander somebody? Just look, look long enough. You'll find something. But that's not how God is. God's like a beautiful, he's like a, he's like a really good coach. He doesn't condemn you, make you feel like garbage. He comes alongside and he says, son or daughter. It's like, wow, we really, we really made a mess of that situation, didn't we? You're like, oh yeah, God, oh yeah, I made a mess of that situation. He's like, but that's not who you are. I formed you, I fashioned you. That. That's not who you are. Let me show you a better way. Let me show you what you were born for. See, when God speaks to us, he comes alongside. He speaks to us like, a, like an amazing father coach. He comes alongside and he edifies. He, he builds up. He doesn't tear us down. The enemy is the one who comes and condemns, who accuses and who tears us down. The, the enemy, when he comes, it looks a little bit more like, wow, you really made a mess of all of that. Uh, you're probably actually, you as a human, you're broken and you probably could never be fixed. And you probably, act, you should probably retreat from everything that you're putting your hand to because broken people break people. And you don't want to break other people, do you? No, I didn't think so. So actually you should retreat from your calling. You know, re- retreat from all of, of humanity because you're unredeemable, you know. Right? We, we know the difference. You've heard messages like this before, but... Let me resubmit it to you, lest the enemy fool you again. The enemy is the one who condemns, who accuses, not Father. Father comes alongside and says, you're amazing. I see greatness in you. 
I have a destiny for you. I have hope over you. You know, it says, uh, I feel like it's Ecclesiastes, although that sounds strange now that it's coming out of my mouth. There's a verse that says that God actually dances and exults over you. Can you imagine God dancing over us and all of our glory and all of our spots and our wrinkles? You know, your father is rejoicing over you. All your blemishes, all your problems, all your stuff, he's rejoicing over you. He is not the one condemning you. He's twirling and dancing over you, exulting over you because he's excited about what you're becoming. He's excited about the plans and the purposes that he has for you. He's excited about the joy that's yet ahead. He's excited about the new season. He's excited about the possibilities. He knows what's on the inside of you and he's calling it out to the surface like fine gold. This is the God we serve. He's never devious. He's never full of trickery or deceit. You know, God doesn't set you up to fail, and he doesn't set you up to manipulate you. Like, oh, now that you, you know, now that you've gotten here, ha-ha, little switcheroo, what do you call that, a Ponzi scheme? A little, little switcheroo, what you thought was here wasn't actually there, but, you're, but I got you. I got you. Anyways, God doesn't dangle a carrot in front of you. He's not deceitful. He's not scheming. He's not manipulating. That's not who we serve. He's also faithful. You know what that means? That means you can count on him. You can lean on him. He's an ever-present help in time of need. So the next time it looks like maybe God's a little bit far off and you're, you're, you're crying out to him saying, oh God, where are you? It feels like you're far from me and maybe I'm the one who's pushed you far. I don't know, but it feels like you're forever away. You need to remember. No, he's the God who's with you. He's God Emmanuel. He's the one who will never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's the one that you can count on. He's the ever-present help in time of need. Now, he's a help in, in, in times of abundance. Of course he is, and we all know that. It's the struggle that we have in our heart in times of need. It's where everything, everybody looks like they've abandoned me. It looks like I'm all alone. I'm beginning to believe the lie that I am all alone. That's what this scripture is talking about. He's an ever-present help in times of need when you don't feel like it, when you don't see him, when you feel like you're not hearing him accurately, when it literally feels like all hell is breaking loose against you. He's actually God Emmanuel. He's still right there. He's the faithful one. You can rest assured he's got your back. And he's not going anywhere just because you screwed something up. Because he's not the kind of God who's just going to leave one day. He's not going to walk out of your house and be like, oh, I guess you're on your own. You're too broken for me. No, bad fathers do that. This is a good father. He'll never walk out on you. He'll never abandon you. No matter how messed up you are, do you get that? He's not going to be like, okay, you're cut off now. I'm, never, I'm not going to send anybody to pray for you. You're just beyond my help. That's not who we serve. He's always for you. He's never against you. He's always rich in hope over you. He exalts over you. He knows what he's put on the inside of you. And he's forever sending people to draw it out. To draw it out. To call you to the better life that he's destined for you to have. 
How many of you know God is also gentle? You know, at my house, we have like an inordinate amount of barn swallows. Anybody have those at their house? They're filthy, nasty birds. You know, they, they, there's like two or three nests right up next to the house, and then there's a pile of guano about like this. They are a nuisance. They inevitably always take, they have these little mud nests, you know, and they like usually litter the side of my house where they build a net. I don't even know why they build where they build, but they do. And, well, we got these everywhere. But the exchange is I don't have mosquitoes anymore. I'm like, I'll take some poop for no mosquitoes. How many are with me, right? Well, the other day, you know, it, and this is not the first time we've experienced this, but, but, but three little birds decided they were going to take flight before they actually had feathers on their wings. You know, this story literally describes many of us in here at different times in our life. I got this, God! <laughs> I'm going to do it! And you're like, here we go! You think it's faith, but it's just presumption because you have no word. Right? God's like, uh, you don't have wings yet. That's fine! You know, and you find yourself literally on the ground, and there are predators everywhere, and then you're like, where are you, God? That was the situation. Three little birds with hardly a wing like between them. Worth the feathers anyways. You know, and by the way, it's a wives' tale if you touch them that the mom will eat them or any of these weird things that we've been told. It's not true. <laughs> yeah. We've done this before. We know. We're professionals now. Three little birds. So I go and I, and I, and I pick them up. And, and when I, I, I'm picking them up kind of one at a time. And I, and I recognize that in my hands, they're, they're, so, they're so tiny and I can, I can feel their little, like, inner parts, you know? I can feel their little bones. And I just know that, if, that, 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 that with the power that I've got, I could crush this bird with, without even intending to. Like, I could, I could accidentally squeeze this. But how many of you know I didn't just, like, scoop them up with my big man mitt and just throw them up in the nest? Right? I was what we call gentle with them. How many of you know God could crush you just like that? I mean, to say that we were ants in God's sight would be an overstatement. It's just the best we can come up with. What kind of worthless microscopic being can you come up with? Okay, that would be closer, I think. An amoeba. I am an amoeba. It's a good thing he likes me. God could crush me just like that. All you have to do is, it's done. It's all over. Listen, God is gentle in the way that he deals with you. God, God knows how fragile you are. He knows how delicate your heart is. He knows how hurt you are. Right? He gets that you made a mistake and you jumped out of the nest and you weren't quite ready for that experience yet. Like He gets it and he's not coming over there and being like, stupid birds. <laughs> stupid human beings. Gosh. How long am I going to have to deal with this? This is ridiculous. No, no, he's coming one at a time. These big, gentle father hands, and he's scooping us up. Wow, I am still going haywire. He's scooping us up with the utmost care, with the utmost concern for the trauma we just experienced because we fell out of the nest. We were like, oh, shoot, that was really stupid. You know, he's not coming alongside you going, stupid bird, that was dumb. You don't even have wings yet. 
That's what the devil sounds like. He's like scooping up the birds with the utmost care and concern because he's gentle and kind. And he's saying, it's okay, baby bird. Give it another two weeks, buddy. You're going to be airborne just like everybody else. Why? Because that's what I created you to do. I created you to fly. Yeah, you had a failure. Yeah, that was really dumb. But that's okay, because I got plans for you. And he takes us and he puts us gently right back in the nest until we can develop a little bit more into the calling and the destiny, the purpose, the plans that he has for us. He's not the kind of God who's just like, oops. You know, God doesn't have an oops. All he has is perfection via intentionality. Motivated by love. That's who he is. That's what he has. That's how he operates with us. And we have to allow this. We have to allow this to challenge the thoughts that we've had to the contrary. I'm telling you, the enemy wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy from you. He, he wants nothing more than to get you all twisted up against God. If he gets you twisted against God, he's won. He says, if we're twisted against God, we will sidestep our destiny. He wants nothing more for you to, 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 than for you to partner with these kinds of lies. Well, maybe God really isn't as for me as he said. That's why this is a core value. It has to get deep on the inside of you so that it becomes the lenses that you view all of life through. It has to become your core, not just a good idea that's challenged by circumstances, but the core that becomes your rudder to navigate those circumstances. That's the difference. That's why this is a core value. It has to be at your core. You have to view God properly or you're going to come to all of the wrong conclusions. He really is good. He really is kind and gentle, long-suffering over us. He's not a big ogre God. He's the edifying, gentle Father who comes alongside like a beautiful coach. Even his discipline, we'll probably talk about that next, I don't know. Even his discipline over us, he disciplines those he loves, right? Isn't that what the word says? His discipline, the word discipline there actually is the word to come alongside as a coach. We've been lied to. Like, oh, the father disciplines those he loves. That basically means he beats the crap out of me all the time because I'm just a miserable kid. Uh, no. No. All the pain and misery, all the stuff that's coming at you, not the father's discipline. The father's discipline is what comes in the midst of that storm when he comes alongside and says, hey, when you spoke that about that person, you missed the mark a little bit. There's a better way to do it. I really want you to win this battle. See the difference? Now, I deeply misjudged how much time I had today. So I may cut some of this a little bit short. I want us to turn to Exodus. Take a look at Exodus. God and Moses are having a, a, a dialogue. And Moses says this. He says, I, I pray that you show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I am gracious and I will show compassion to whom I show compassion. I want, to, I want to frame out what's happening here just a little bit. What it's suggesting is this, 
that God sovereignly intervenes over humanity out of love to accomplish his purposes in the earth. You're thinking, how in the world did you come to that? Well, I'm a pastor. I can come to all kinds of crazy things. (laughs) Take a look at Romans chapter 9 with me. Some of the most deeply misconstrued verses, I think, on the planet in terms of God's heart motivation for why he does what he does. What we're finding, actually, is there's a quote here. It says, what shall we say then? There's no injustice with God, is there? It's talking about the injustice of God's divine choice between Jacob and Esau. Remember, just prior to this, he says, you know, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. You're like, what? Okay, let me help you out. God doesn't hate anyone. If you've come to the conclusion that God hates somebody, you're not reading the rest of your Bible. Which, by the way, is how we interpret every verse. You interpret it by the whole of what the Bible says. The whole of what the Bible says is that God is love and doesn't hate anyone. He's using extreme language to show the difference between a sovereign choice over Jacob versus that of Esau. And it continues here. It says, may it never be. He says to Moses, and here's the quote out of Exodus, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Verse 16, so then it does not depend on man who wills and the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. How many of us have ever looked at somebody else who we admire and we think to ourselves, if I had that guy's gifts and talents, if I had that guy's good looks, then, then I'd, have the, I'd have the glory that he's got too. I'd have the success that he's got too. I mean, has anybody ever had a thought like that in their head? Boy, if I had those gifts, yeah. You know, but instead, I've got this. Awesome. Great. Listen, who you are was the sovereign choice of a very good father who's looking down at life going, I'm going to put Dylan Breeden in right here. I'm going to, and oh, because of all of these like, like numerous factors that are present in that environment, your personality and your gifts have to be exactly this for you to be able to survive and thrive what life is going to throw at you. Listen, it was God's mercy to you that you are who you are. It's God's mercy to you that your personality is what it is, that your gifts and your talents, they are what they are. It was God's gift to you, motivated by love. This is God's goodness on display in your lives. It's time to stop second-guessing and and, and buying into the enemy's lies and get into this place where we're like, oh, I wish I had something other than what I got. No, it's his mercy to you. It's his mercy, it's his love on display to you that you have become, that he's, the, the, the gifts, the talents, the personality, exactly who you are. It's a gift from him. He's like, I, I, knew, I knew that I just I needed to create an S personality type because an, an S personality is not going to rock the boat. And, and, and this thing that I've, this plan that I've got for you, like I couldn't make you a D personality that always rocks the boat because it would actually destroy you. If you had that person's gifts and talents, it would destroy you. If you had Corey's ability to lead from the stage and to sing like he sings, it would kill you. It's out of his mercy that he didn't give you Corey's gifts. And it's out of his mercy that he gave Corey his gifts. You understand? This is God's love on display, and that's what it's talking about here. I will have compassion. I'll be gracious to whom I'm gracious. I will show compassion to who I want to show compassion. It's not based on control, micromanagement. It's based on love. 
<clears throat> I nearly choked myself to death. <clears throat> Hi there, baptism. I like you. <clears throat> you know what else I've discovered? I've discovered that this extends beyond our personalities. I've discovered that sometimes there are maybe, uh, let me just say this, maybe, maybe somebody was removed from your life. Maybe somebody broke up with you. You're like, I, I thought this was the one. And now we're broken up and I don't even know what's going on anymore. My world is a swirl. You know what I've discovered? Maybe it's God's mercy to you because you had no idea what kind of pain that person was going to bring into your life. Here's the thing. We'll never see the other side of that. All we see is on the front end where we go, okay, this person was, you know, this person hit the eject button in my life. And, and, and that's painful, and it's okay to mourn for a night. Okay, but we have to, if we have the right view of God, then we can go, Father, I don't know what's happening. It felt to me like this was the one, but I trust you. I don't need to know what was on the other side of that. I don't need to know what would have happened had that person stayed in my life. I don't need to know that because I trust you. Because I trust that you're intervening over my life. Because I trust that you're good. I trust that you're for me. I trust that you know what's best for me because you created me and you see the beginning from the end. See, it goes beyond just personality and gifts into every other facet of our life. God is really good. He's not aloof. He's really involved in your life. And we have to trust him because he knows what he's doing. He's not controlling all the details, but he is intimately involved in your lives. Is that clear, the difference? You're like, I don't know. It's all right. I'll have Todd preach on it. He'll get you straightened out. We continue Exodus 33, verse 20. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a, a, excuse me. <clears throat> Behold, there is a place by me, and, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about that my, as my glory is passing by you, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. How many of you know this is a type of Christ? He's saying, Moses, there's absolutely no way that I can pass by you and you, sinful human being, actually survive the encounter. So I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you into the cleft of the rock. I'm going to protect you in the rock. How many of you know Jesus is called the rock? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in here this morning, he has literally taken you who were a sinner and put you into the cleft of the rock and he's clothed you with righteousness. By his own blood, he's washed you as white as snow and removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. And it's his righteousness, the rock that shrouds about me, that allows me to stand before a holy God and actually be able to survive the encounter. It's because of what 
Jesus Christ did for us because of his goodness that was on display in laying down his life for me, his love that was on display in laying down his life for me, that I can now come with boldness into his throne of grace, that I can come, I'm not interrupting dad when he's on a business call. I can come at any time, at any point of the day. He's not too busy for me. He's not abandoning me. He's ever-present help in time of need, abundantly available. I can access him all of the time because he's abundantly available. There's never a time when he's checked out, when he's unavailable, when he's not able to be accessed. You understand, because of what Jesus Christ did for you, he is abundantly available, and you can come with boldness into his throne room, a place that would have otherwise been completely prohibited. It is Jesus and his righteousness that has made a way for you. It was his glory and his goodness on display in this one act of generosity and kindness towards humanity. He is the cleft of the rock that we have been placed on the inside of. How many of you know that's a good word right there? We no longer have to fear death when we're in the presence of God. And it says, not only are we in the cleft of the rock, it says that his mighty hand would also go and would stand as a wall of protection over Moses. Look at here what it says in Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxious. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Father God put you in Jesus. He hid you together with Christ. And then he puts out his mighty hand, his righteous, mighty hand of protection, and he guards and protects you. We learned last week, he's our fierce protector. Make no mistake about it. He's our guardian, our protector. The fierce Daddy Bear, with his mighty hand, keeping us right where he wants us, putting a stay on the plans and the attacks of the enemy. He's got you. We'll finish reading this. Listen, Exodus 34, verse 5. It's just too good to pass up. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood there with him. As he called upon the name of the Lord, we say, do it again, God. Do it again, God. Then the Lord passed by in front of him, and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, but how many of you know that Jesus has already rendered a non-guilty verdict for you? So he's just simply saying, I'm also a just God. I'm just as just as I am merciful and loving. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's, excuse me, on the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generations. Verse 8. Moses made haste to bow low towards the earth and worship. And he said, if now I find favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are obstinate, and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your own possession. What's Moses saying? He's saying, man, I, I know we're a mess. I, I, I know that we are not even close to perfect like Jesus was. 
I, I know that we make mistakes all of the time. I, I, I know that we sidestep your wheel and we screw things up and we say things that we shouldn't want to say, that we, we, that we shouldn't say, that we, yeah, things should never pop out of our mouth, yet sometimes they do. He's saying, I, I reckon we have flawed in our humanity. We're not there yet. We haven't arrived. We don't look like Jesus in so many ways, but God, I'm asking, would you, would you, would you come? Would you make us your possession? Would you, would you forgive us all of our sins? Would you redeem us? How many of you know Jesus Christ answered the prayer of Moses in this moment? I'm a a flawed vessel. I was a a sinner messed up in so many different ways. And while I was yet still sinning, while I was yet still screaming crucified, Jesus Christ with his own blood went after me with the greatest act of love there ever was. And more than that, actually redeemed me with his blood and made me his possession. I am now not my own. I've been bought with a price. His own blood bought me. I have become his possession. There's no greater love on display than this. He literally answered the cry of Moses' heart right here, all the way back in Exodus. Guys, here's the takeaway. He's really, really, really good. He's way better than we know that we understand. He's way more involved than we typically give him credit for. He's really, really good at his job. He loves us with an inexpressible love. And if anything that we see happening in our life or any exchange or any interaction seems to contradict that, we're not seeing it right. We're not seeing him rightly. There's never an opportunity in our life where we get to be out of sync with Galatians 5, and there's never an opportunity where God will ever be out of sync with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus, we invite you to really press that down in our hearts and our lives. In fact, I'm asking that you would reprogram our history in any area of our life where we have been found off the beaten path, off the path. We've, we've not <clears throat> had the right view of Father God, where we thought maybe you were aloof or that you were the kind of God who would abandon or that you're not God Emmanuel or that you're not a healer or not a provider. Whatever the accusation is, Father, I'm asking that you would come and reprogram our history with you. Show us where you were and draw us to change our minds that we can see you rightly. We want to see you rightly, Jesus. And we invite you to partner with us that we could be ones who see and hear. That we wouldn't be those who are blind moving forth from here. That we would see, that we would have an accurate view of your hand in our life, of your guidance, your coaching, of your goodness, that we wouldn't miss the mark, we wouldn't misunderstand, we wouldn't misjudge or mischaracterize you. Line us up with your truth and with your love. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.